After the New Jersey Code Camp with perhaps the biggest throng that's ever been in the boat. Yay! Oh my God. How many people are in here? Uh, I have an explanation, you know. What is that? We have beer. Oh, that's right. <laughs> this is how we, we're, we're filling up our, uh, our show. Let's see. We got, uh, well, I guess we'll introduce them to you one at a time. But what it means is that A... Everybody gets five minutes, or B, we have a really long freaking show. <laughs> Both are possible. I'm voting for five minutes, Carl. <laughs> okay, Jeff, he's voting for five minutes. All right, well, let's talk to our first guest, and your name is? Kevin Goff. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Pretty good. How are you? Great. So uh, who are you, and what do you do? Uh, who am I? Well, I'm an independent contractor uh, doing .NET work for several clients right now. I'm also one of the writers for Code Magazine. I have a fairly regular series in uh in the magazine called the baker's dozen where i yeah. present a variety of productivity tips for uh different areas of net and, and actually uh, also sql server and crystal reports and other technologies and i'm also uh trying to seal up a uh, book deal with a publisher to uh to write a book on uh, reporting solutions i love reporting well of course i'm from vancouver where crystal's from so Naturally, I have a bent towards reporting one way or the other. It's a reporting town. We used to have like mining towns, steel mm. towns. Vancouver's a reporting town, right? Yeah, you know what's really interesting is that I've been doing this since 1988, and I've probably built, I don't know the exact count, but in excess of 500 reports and graphs in my career. And one of the things I found in working in on uh, developer projects is that most developers hate working on reports. Yeah. A lot of times when I've, I've, when I've walked into a project as a contractor, uh, when they just needed to bring in additional people, uh, when the uh, management team was divvying up the work, most developers would say, I don't want the reports. Let, let the new guy do, deal with them. Yeah. And I, I love working with them. I yeah. love building them. So uh, Good. The funny thing is that reports, A, they're usually last because you need the entire information system in place to collect the reports. But the funny thing is they usually go to the people who sign the checks. So doing good reports has some advantages. Yes, it does. The, the guys a, who care are important people. Yeah, it's it's one of the more visible parts of the application. And Absolutely. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, I did a session, one of the first sessions this morning uh, here at CodeCamp on building reporting solutions. And it's not just the report writer. That's Working with the report writer is actually a very small part of the reporting process. There's uh, doing the data modeling. There's building the data requirements, writing uh, the necessary store procedures in the back end. Um, any interaction with the user as far as user options for the report. So there's a there's a methodology that you want to try to set in place for building reporting solutions, and that's sort of what I presented this morning. Have you ever built a separate reporting server with tables that are set up just to, to optimize the reports that uh, get aggregated from other databases? Have you ever seen this? So, sometimes. I've, I've had to build reports from a variety of, of data sources. Sometimes it's a data warehouse. Sometimes it's what you described. Sometimes it's just with... Highly normalized data, and, and right. uh, there's a, a big effort that has to be taken to um, uh, to work with that data. Well, Kevin, the, the world is listening. What do you want to say to them? Well, I think the first thing I'd like to say is that I started writing for Code Magazine almost a year ago at this time. And um, uh, to date, I've had five articles published, and I've received in excess of 500 emails from people 
uh, just saying that they that they like the articles that uh, the angle that I tried to take with the Baker's Dozen was to was to demonstrate productivity tips and to show how people could do things uh, with the technology, yeah. the technology that's in place now. And I've I was always hoping that I'd get some feedback, but I, I never would have imagined the kind of emails I've gotten from people saying, hey, you know, what you wrote about is something I've been trying to do on a project and you just saved me hours and hours of time. So for the people who are listening who have sent me emails, thank you very much. Uh, it really means a lot to know that uh, the people are, are reading these things and are getting a lot out of it. All right. Now for the big question. What's your favorite reporting tool? Well, I've got Miguel Castro right behind me. Crystal reports, uh, but I... (laughs) Hold on, folks. Hold on. 51% of the developer market. You can't argue with that. Yeah. You seem to have a difference of opinion in this RV. But but again, when you take a look at the reporting process, the report writer is is just a fraction of the entire process. So there are other tools out there like Active Reports and Reporting Services is obviously going to gain ground as time goes along. So there are options out there. Well, Kevin, thanks for talking to us. Thank you, Carl. Appreciate it. And I guess, Miguel, it's your turn, man. Yeah, come on over. You're here. Let's talk. Choose your topic. Well, just tell us, tell us what you know. You, you know, you were speaking here. What did you do? What did you talk about? And how? What, how what do feeling? I? What do I always talk about, Carl? It must be web control. Absolutely. I actually, I, I did my my what's become my trademark talk today. The uh, the custom web controls demystified talk based on the articles that I wrote for Code. Mm-hmm. But I also um, I uh, unveiled a new talk today for the first time, which actually turned out pretty well, uh, even though it was very similar to a, a, a talk going on at the same time. But uh, it worked out well. I think it went very well. It was a talk on ASP.NET security controls where I kind of briefly covered authorization and authentication as it works on 2.0 and then went into the uh, six control suite that Microsoft gave us to make uh, authorization life a lot easier. And uh, it went very well. It was a lot of fun. It's it's a great suite to work with. Cool. So, Miguel, uh, what's what was your you obviously spent a lot of time. I know this as a, a participant in other people's talks. And, you know, engaging the presenters in conversations and stuff. Um, is that one of the, how do you feel about the accessibility of all these smart people here at Code Camps? Oh, I think it's great. I mean, the best thing about Code Camp, I, I feel it's been a successful Code Camp when I walk away with something new that I did not know before. Yeah. That's a sign of a good Code Camp. And I do all the time. And unfortunately, because I spoke for three hours today and there were only five hours, six hours worth of talks and I came in an hour and a half late... Uh, oh. Yeah, well, because somebody had me out very late last night. Okay. We won't say well who, who it was. <laughs> How could that have happened? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I only got to hear one talk today besides my own, and that was Kevin's talk, and yeah. it was very, very good. Cool. So I always love these things. And uh, com- the camaraderie in the community is something that's fantastic. I've had a really fast track in the community in the past two years, and uh, meeting all the- making all the new friends that I have has been the best part of it. And this is where it happens, at events like this. Awesome. Well, it's good to have you back on the show, if, if briefly. Good talking. Now I know your name is Frank because we met you at Jeff Palermo's party at the PDC. Was it TechEd? It was TechEd. It's all Mm -hmm. a blur to me. How are you doing, Frank? (laughs) I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Good. Uh, Who are you and what do you do? Well, my name is Frank Lavinia, and I work at a uh, Microsoft Gold partner called Ironworks Consulting in Richmond, Virginia. And as you can tell from my voice, I'm originally from New Jersey, not Virginia. I could tell from your voice. It could be from Connecticut, as far as I know. Well, this is true. I haven't had enough beer yet, so oh, the New okay. York accent hasn't come out yet. Okay. But, but um, I, I primarily work on tablet PC-based solutions. I 
Okay. Miguel can tell, and that's all that matters. So you, you're a tablet PC guy. Yes, I am. Yeah. What, uh, what is your tablet of choice these days? Uh, my favorite has been my favorite for the last year. It's the Toshiba M200. I know it well. Um, it's, it's a good solid machine. It's got 1400 by 1050 resolution and it's, it's, it's a good solid development. Still machine. not enough to make Richard buy a tablet. Oh no, no, no. I want a 1920 by 1200 screen on my tablet. Even if it's it weighs not... 20 pounds. Have you seen my laptop? Oh <laughs> yeah. I guess that doesn't matter then. Yeah, he was responsible for Los Angeles power outage during the PC. Remember this now. <laughs> so, uh, what kind of development do you do on the tablet PC? That's any different from, you know, development that you do for any other platform. I think the, uh, primary difference is the form factor and the aspect ratio of the screen. Most of the time a yeah. tablet is being used when a tablets being used in, in tablet mode, if it's convertible, yeah. it's being used in portrait display. So that means the display is longer than it is wide. And a lot of interfaces have, have come out that, that really assume the other way around, yeah. the landscape-type orientation. So yeah. the primary challenge has actually been, has been that, making sure really? your interface is designed for that. I mean, the other stuff as far as character recognition. Yeah, I was thinking handwriting would be a major issue. But, but that's all built into the OS. Really? Yeah, so you don't have to worry about that. You don't write any code at all. It just gets the no, characters for you. Yeah, you can... Well, you write code, but it's you more like, code. hey, recognize this blob of ink. It's basically, you call a two-string method. That's nice. Yeah, so it's nice. And and one of the things, I, I gave a talk today on tablet PC development, and I've given this talk at a couple other user groups and code camps, is a lot of people out there seem to think that the tablet PC is the pocket PC yes, only I better. Know. I know. And that just amazes me. So, it's the name, you know. That's people see the name, they see it, what it looks like, and they think. and and all these conferences and whatnot, and even the website, it's grouped in with, yeah, mobility, right. tablet and mobile solutions. So, uh, a couple of people asked me today, oh, so I know the compact framework. Can I can I program on tablets? I'm like, uh, no. It's it, and, and it's an interesting thing. A few people, the old days of CE before we really talked about mobility. There were tablet PC-like devices, 10-inch screens, fold-away keyboards, touchscreen setups. They didn't have recognition or anything, but they were running CE. And that genre of machines has basically evaporated in lieu of the tablet. Meantime, I see tablet folks wanting smaller, lighter, smaller, lighter. I'm not one of them, but that's just me. We have a 50-pound laptop, so yeah, smaller so and lighter is kind of... Not my way of thinking. <laughs> no. So... But I see the compact framework increasing in sophistication and capability and the horsepower in these handheld devices going up. At the same time, I see a demand for tablet PCs to get lighter and thinner and more power efficient. I'm wondering if we don't switch back to the compact framework at some point here. You know, that's a good question. I hadn't really thought of that. Uh, but the problem with the compact framework is that it is still a subset of the entire .NET framework. Oh, definitely a subset. And until that changes and, and that the subset becomes greater to where you actually have you know, 100% portability. If anything you write on, on or Windows forks. or forks, I mean, anything you write that'll run under XP will run on a tablet. That's true, because it's basically XP with yeah. add-ons. Yeah, it's XP plus a little bit extra stuff. Doesn't SP2 have the tablet SDK in it as well? So It's you not can actually... included, but the better standard input panel is oh. part of and a couple other interface enhancements. So you are talking to the .NET Rocks listeners. You got anything to say directly to them? Uh, probably what I say at every user group. Tablet PC is not pocket PC only better. It's it's a complete, full functional, fully functional laptop. All right. Well, thanks, Frank. Thanks a lot, Good Carl. talk to you. Hi, and our next guest is Phil Denoncourt. Hey, Phil. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. So, uh, what do you got to say? Who are you? What do you um, do? My name's Phil. I do whatever people pay me to do, but generally that's been good uh, answer. Good <laughs> answer. <laughs> generally, that's been uh, all right. <laughs> That's been uh, .NET Consulting for the past three years, and cool. uh, that's been going pretty good. Um, 
I do. I run the uh, New Hampshire C Sharp User Group, and came down today to uh, give a couple sessions okay. at the Code Camp. Have we talked on the phone? Maybe once or twice. Maybe. I can't remember. Yeah. I'm terrible, terrible with names and faces, but yeah, it's a geek thing. It is a geek thing. Yeah. Yeah. So the New Hampshire C Sharp Users Group. What's that like? Well, um, well, it's in New Hampshire, so we don't have an awful lot of people. So it's yeah. uh, about what you would think. Not so no, much. That's no, that's Maine now. Um, we, we have a good, a good core of about 15, 20 people that meet monthly and oh, go cool. do your, your standard presentation type stuff. So and, Pat Tormey and yeah, Pat, Pat Hines come up there every once in a while. We get Pat Hines every now and then. Okay. And it's, it's, a, it's a good, good uh, crowd. Well, what kinds of applications have you been developing? Um, all sorts of different types. I've, I've done the ASP.NET applications. I've done web services. I've done the smart client type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now I'm writing uh, data layers uh, using code generators and, and you know, just re- parsing out the schema and building a data layer based off of that. Code generators, plural? Yeah. Well, yes, yeah, yeah. I'm using both CodeSmith and uh, my generator, my generation. Neat. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. You, which uh, you, have you played around with a lot of them, or uh, no, just those two, just, just those, those two. two. But, but any, they get the job done. Yeah. Any thoughts about pluses, minuses, or um, they they both do the same thing, such that you can you know pull down your schema and you're, you're writing .NET code to analyze it and spit out again more .NET code. Yeah. Um. So I mean, they they all they all get the uh, basic job done. Uh, CodeSmith seems to be a little bit more uh, user friendly and, and better to inter- it integrates easier into the uh, IDE. Okay, so it's it's fun. Very good. So, who are your customers typically? Uh, right now, I'm I'm working for Fidelity Investments in New Hampshire, and uh, they do a whole bunch of stuff .NET and Java and whatnot. So it's That's it's good times. Good. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, right. Well, what was your favorite moment of CodeCamp here, if you can remember one? Yeah, it was just meeting all the different people and seeing yeah. the community that they got going down here, which seems to be a pretty big one, and, and they all seem to know each other pretty nicely, which, yeah. is, which is nice to see. It's, it's good to see the community is, um, you know, it, it, and I'm sure you guys are going to see this quite a bit, is, is that it's, it's not just a local thing. It, yeah. Everybody's got their own communities. Sure. Which is neat. Sure. Okay, here's your moment of fame. What do you got to say? Uh, well, just just get involved in your local user groups. I, th- I think um, you know they're they're great both from getting an information, getting information, and uh, networking, knowing your your peers and whatnot. Absolutely. All right. Hey, Phil. It was good to talk to you. As well. Great. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Scott. Scott Watermazik. How are you? Pretty good. You, uh, I used your software today. Okay. Yeah. Dot text. In fact, we're my using. My old software. Yeah, your old software. That's how I know you, though. I mean, that's that's been my interface with your software. Because, as you know, weblogs.asp.net uses dot text, the blogging software that you wrote. Correct. And now you're working for Telligent. Yes. And you're doing all sorts of great stuff, including? Including. So uh, what I do on a daily basis is work on community server, which is the evolution of .text, as you right. would say. The evolution of .text, ASP.NET forums, and gallery. Yeah. And a whole bunch of other exciting things. You know, uh, community server and .NET nuke seem to come up in the same sentence a lot. How do you feel about that? I, I guess it's okay. They both target you know, different markets, different, different usages. You know, I think uh, .NET Nuke is more for, you know, it's, it's more of like a portal type application, you know, so you can run a whole bunch of different modules and, you know, get the weather yeah. and they do have some forums and that kind of stuff to plug yeah. in. Whereas community server is more geared towards building, building a platform where others can share information. So okay. whether it be forums, blogs, we're going to have a file gallery. So it's kind of like a download.com experience. So don't, don't all those pieces exist in .NET Nuke as well? 
Okay. I think there's a pretty serious overlap between the two. I do know there's some differences in your implementation. I think you guys have a more traditional ASP.NET implementation than .NET Nuke does. They they sort of take over everything when they're Yeah, I mean, we focus space. more on, you know, more on that, that sharing of knowledge, more, you know, more in the forums, the blogs, and... You know, and sitting community server. Correct. And the thing that Miguel never fails to uh, uh, mention when I talk to him is the architecture of community server is very much web control based. It is... Just about entirely web control based. There's probably in the realm of maybe 150 to 200 server controls. As a developer, I really, really, really like that because I can dra- drag and drop little pieces of community server into my into my applications. Can I? Yeah, I mean yeah. You, you could. I think the bigger thing is that that I mean, if you're going to go to a .NET Nuke application, you got to start with .NET Nuke. Mm-hmm. Anything you had before that's got to go and be integrated in after the fact. Whereas yeah. if I already have an existing application, I can add pieces of community server to my existing Yeah, the whole idea, so eventually what you should be able to, you should be able to use community server, say, from within .NET Nuke or be able to use it from within SharePoint or even within your own you know personal site with whatever and however you built it. How that. did community server get started? So uh, about three or four years ago, I guess I started working on .text, and one yeah. thing kind of led to another. I started out just my own kind of personal blogging site, and it grew into .NET weblogs, and eventually, you know, for one reason or other, ended up on weblogs ASP.NET. Yeah. And at the same time, you know, Rob Howard, who found Intelligent, yeah. had been as you know part of what he did at Microsoft, working on a project called uh, called the ASP.NET forums. Yeah. And then Jason Alexander, who's also an employee of Intelligent, had started an open source uh, file gallery or photo gallery application. And, you know, we just kind of got to talking over the years and said, you know, wouldn't it be really cool if you could do forums from within from within mm-hmm. blogs? And there's, you know, RSS that's in blogs. Wouldn't it be great if it was in forums? And we started looking and said, you know, we kind of do membership the same way, but a little bit different. You know, we store the same values, but we might access it with a different API or we might store the post, you know, a little bit differently or cache them a little bit differently. So just kind of bringing all three of those things together and just trying to unify, you know, a platform. Yeah. Um, what's next on the horizon for community server with, in regards to ASP.NET 2.0? Uh, so when we release one, two, which is targeted for probably mid December, it will compile and run, you know, out of the box on, on 2.0. Mm-hmm. We'll have a version, hopefully six months or so after that, that's a hundred percent geared towards, you know, being built off ASP.NET 2.0. So taking okay. advantage of generics and the yeah. built in master pages and that kind of stuff. Very cool. So I just found out very recently about the ink support in, uh, in a community server. What's that all about? Well, that means you don't read my blog because you know, we wrote about it a while ago. So I'm a little disappointed. But uh, no, there is, there's, there's ink support for both forums and blogs. You don't blogs. read my blog either. Yes, so I do. I knew you are coming here. I knew you were coming And actually, I knew that you had recently gotten a tablet from Aaron because that's who I talked to about the, oh, the ink stuff. Good. So uh, I, I, follow, I follow everyone. But, uh, but no, there is ink support in both you know, the forums and blogs yeah. as of now in community server 1.2. So we kind of we took a slightly different approach than other people have. So we still enable you to kind of write a post, but then we have a separate what we're calling like a whiteboard kind of section in the post UI. So you actually can draw a picture if you were you know diagramming some kind of relationship, or you just wanted to you know my my favorite little demo is just like a smiley face or whatever. But you can actually draw, and then we embed that with the post that you. All make. right. So the question is, how do you do that? So how do we do it? So it's a it's a control that's hosted in IE. So it's only an IE and a .NET okay. solution. All right. So it's a WinForm control that's that's hosted. And I get it. Read and write to it from JavaScript, and I get it. Cool. All right. Well, Scott, thank you. I no, want to thank you for your previous work and your oh, current work. Oh yes, I now I remember the question I was going to ask you. Okay. Um, this is a free product, uh, or is it? Yes. It, so, so depending on how you want to use it, it's a free product. So, for more or less, for you know, kind of non-commercial use, you can download it, install it, 
you know, play around, you know, run it on a, your own site. We include the source code so you can download the source code mm. and see how we're doing things if you want to, or potentially change things if you wanted to. So, okay, great. So say I had a idea to build a little site, maybe growing giant pumpkins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I could use the community server for free for that. As long as I'm not making any money from it, that kind of thing. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it's, You'd really want to contact salesintelligent.com if you have any questions, just so sure. I don't, you know. We're not going to hold you to all of this. Yeah, but and, the and Rob intent, can answer, you know, Rob right. can answer that for you. So the whole intent here is that for non-commercial uses, you don't mind people using your software. They can take it out for a spin and try it out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're not. But if you're running a business with it or you're making money with it, you ought to share the love. Yes. All because right. the more you share, the more, you know. The more, the more love is shared back. But the more, yeah, obviously, the more developed, the more features that are there. So ink type things and, you know, that kind of stuff that will be available out of the box is. And the URL is? CommunityServer.org. Easy. Thanks, Scott. Thanks. Good to talk to you. Okay. Who are you and what do you do? My name is John Baird. I work for a company that develops mutual fund software. Okay. We're the industry leader right now. My side hobby is .NET Nuke. All right. Really? Yes. That's exciting. <laughs> you two want to arm wrestle? <laughs> <laughs> no, Scott's a lot bigger. Well, Scott's okay. a lot bigger than me. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm... Just so you know, and you probably don't know this, is that Sean Walker and I are old friends from long before .NET Nuke. No. And he's, and he's from my part of the world. He's from mm. Abbotsford, which is about an hour's drive from where I am. Is that who that was? I thought that was Ricky Martin. Yeah. Well, <laughs> everybody's seen Sean Walker. He's a very handsome fellow. All I right, wouldn't well, know, anyway. but we would talk to him on the phone one day at a user's group. But that's so it. your primary interest is .NET Nuke. What, what, how, does, how does that work? I mean, are you basically – I've heard of .NET Nuke web factories that are charging lots of money and just going, whoosh, whoosh, there's your site, take the money, cha-ching, kind of thing. Uh, is this the kind of thing you're interested in? or No. Um, I'm more interested in the technology that's behind it. Yeah. Uh, .NET Nuke is a great product. It was uh, – Developed off of, you know, uh, iBuySport, or iBuySport by, yeah. by Microsoft. Um, and it's uh, completely free. Uh, you can download the source code and have a website up and running, uh, multiple websites up and running in a short period of time. Cool. So what are the kinds of things that you do with it? You can do anything you want with it. No, I mean you personally. What oh, have you done? Uh, not a whole lot web-wise. Okay. Um, I'm in the process of bringing up a number of websites right now. Oh, good. Uh, the problem is finding decent modules. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. There's and also across different versions of .NET Nuke, they have yeah, right. The different modules are versioned for the different versions of DNN. Right, but uh, what you asked Scott earlier, there are all sorts of modules available for .NET Nuke, uh, in, from forums to blogs to image galleries. I think the differentiation between the two products, and I'm not a, I don't know a lot about Community Server, but. I think that .NET Nuke is geared more towards the commercial um, business usage of the software rather than, than building a community type of organization. Well, yeah, I, th- I think that their collaboration is the term that you would use in the corporate world. Is that the official corporate-sounding word, collaboration? It sounds good to me. Yeah. Um, but, okay, good. Well, uh, what was your favorite uh, talk today at the Code Camp? Well, I can... Feel Miguel breathing down my neck. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hot Cuban and Kevin, breath there. And Kevin shooting me eye bolts. Uh, <laughs> Way to twist his arm from there, Miguel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd have to say. I'd have to say Miguel's presentation. I've heard this thing three times. Yeah. And it's just now starting to make sense because he had two hours today. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right? The first time I heard his presentation, I thought he was an auctioneer by trade. Whoa. Uh, he delivered three hours of content in a little over quickly. one hour. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Uh, but every time I hear it, I learn something new. Yeah, yeah. And I... I like Miguel's presentation. That was good. Uh, okay, so uh, is this your first code camp you've been to? or you- First time presenting. Uh, been to a lot of code camps. So you presented as well? I presented two, spe- two sessions what on did .NET you talk Nuke about? today. Oh, on .NET Nuke. Yeah, the overview of .NET Nuke and then how to skin .NET Nuke. Okay. With a knife. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we looked into skinning .NET Nuke for the .NET Rock site at, once, at one point, and sick, I sicked my graphics guy, Dax, on it. And uh, he tooled around, scratched his head, and said, F*** this. My initial foray into skinning was uh, quite the challenge also. Yeah. Uh, once you figure out all the little component pieces, it's actually really simple, but I'm graphically challenged. Yeah, so, okay, okay. You know, my, my sites look like crap because... I've, yeah, I've heard that you can make a .NET Nuke site look like anything. I have yet to see a .NET Nuke site that doesn't look like .NET Nuke. Well, I showed one of my presentations today. Oh, okay. It's a castle with a with a helicopter on it and all kinds of toy soldiers. Everybody's things. nodding their head in agreement. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, awesome. Yeah. So do you have some of this stuff online that uh, we can go look at? or uh, My sites? Yeah, or your samples or um, I have a, a, a couple of simple sites up right now. Okay. If, the best thing to do if we're looking at skins is... Uh, to uh, do a Google on .NET Nuke skins okay. and, and take a look at what's out there. There's some fantastic stuff out there. There's some psychedelic stuff out there that drives yeah. crazy. Yeah. And then there's the standard right. corporate, you know, dull and boring business yeah. skins. Right. All right. Well, this is great to, great to talk to you. Thanks, you have Carl. any? Do nice. you have any last-minute uh, I go along with or... what I've heard already, and that is to uh, get involved with code camps. These things are fantastic. Support the community and get out and do it. Yes, sir. All right. Thanks. Good to talk to you. Miguel, you wanted to say something about that? Yeah, I, I'm not. I don't have a lot of experience with .NET Nuke. Uh, my buddy Scott, who uh, couldn't be here tonight, has a lot more. He he works a lot with it, and he's pointed me to a few sites that actually surprise the heck out of me. That they do not look like your typical portal sites yeah. that .NET Nuke you know represents. If you see the URL and you got the tab ID equal type of thing, then yeah. you figure out they're .NET Nuke. Yeah. But I believe I I don't. I'm almost sure that the Atlas Van Line site. Uh, it's a trucking yeah, I company. Think you're right. Yes, they are. They're a .NET Nuke site, and they surprised me on how non.NET Nuke, if 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 you can re- use that category, non.NET Nuke. I mean, you're down to look looking like. at the URLs to figure out it's DNN. I did. I did definitely had to. Like no, it. it didn't look like a portal. You know, .NET Nuke is a portal application. Yeah. So I actually right. don't think it overlaps the community server, but <laughs> it does not look like a portal application at all. All right. Very good. Thanks for making that point, and uh, I'm sure our listeners can benefit from that. Okay, you're next. Who are you and what do you do? Okay, my name is Chip Lemon and I'm an independent contractor uh, with de- uh, doing .NET development. All right, that sounds familiar. And what kind of stuff are you working on these days? Uh, working on a semi-automated indexing application for uh, patents, U.S. patents and applications uh, based in chemistry. Really? Yeah. Well, goodness knows we need one, actually. <laughs> you need to. <laughs> you can't find the patents. I mean, it's not a simple thing. Indexing is not. is not a trivial issue. Absolutely. Actually, if you think about it, uh, patents are basically written in legal jargon to make it confusing and hard or, to find. Uh, tell me I know, right? I mean, it's absolutely designed 
to obfuscate the intent of the patent. It's remarkable how crazy those things are. It's absolutely right. And uh, if you add into the, the equation that it's uh, chemis- chemistry-based patents that we're interested in, and you get uh, into the uh, chemical compounds and things like that that are very convoluted, and, and there are no standards in, in certain cases in, in naming chemical compounds. And we think in the computer industry we've got messed up names. Yeah. This, this is a different league. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, what kind of application is it? Is it- it's actually a, uh, a VB.net application. It's uh, a full framework application. It's smart client. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's, it's uh, basically a detached application where we synchronize with the server uh, so that our users can work offline with it and get mm. uh, a very robust uh, experience. Oh, good. And uh, is it in production? It is in production right now, um, and we're uh, we're happy to say it's improving productivity, et cetera, for our users. So we're primarily looking at something like I want to see what patents are currently around this compound, that kind of thing. It's uh, it's more like the the uh, the client that we did this for. What they do is they actually index the documents themselves, and then uh, they turn around and produce the result for their customers. So it's their customers that uh, are are searching for these documents: pharmaceutical companies, uh, computer companies, uh, real high tech kind of stuff. Wow. He's also a presenter. I'm also a presenter. Oh, you. You're also pre- you presented here. That that's correct. Uh, this is uh, the first time I presented at Code Camp, and um, for for uh, this Code Camp, I decided what I wanted to do was some entry level enterprise uh, development concepts. I did uh, a beginner's look at uh, domain uh, domain driven design. Okay. Um, and and it was amazing to me that a, a lot of people actually after the class had come or after the session had come up to me and, and simply said, wow, this is great. Where can I find out more about this? I want to do this kind of stuff. I just haven't had the opportunity. Let me, let me give our listeners an opportunity to be educated here in the elevator speech. What is this? What is domain-oriented design? Well, do, domain-oriented design or even just how do you begin a, 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 an applic- a, a good solid application framework to start with is about getting a ubiquitous common language between the development staff and um, and the business community. It's about clearly defining your business domain and isolating it from the rest of your application. And so it's about a truly layered approach to developing a so program. So you're talking about more than just a glossary of terms here. Way more than a glossary of terms. It's actually, I mean, that's that's a part of it. That gets your, your base classes down, but you've got to talk about all the, uh, the activities, the actions, the rules, the, the real business rules that go into all that. And you need to isolate it and actually put it into its own very specific layer. When, I, when I'm making a living as a consultant, I consider this my Monday morning exercise. You go into a customer, by lunchtime, I have to understand this guy's business and speak his language. That's my job as a consultant. That's correct. And I guess you're taking this to the next level, really saying, look, this is what any project you're build, working on, whatever the scale may be, you need to get this knowledge into play. Absolutely. It goes, it goes beyond just getting the knowledge into play. I think w- where we drop the ball um, is, is that we... we in, in a lot of cases, we have a business analyst or an architect who comes in and does that for us in these JAD sessions, and they come away with a lot of business knowledge, and then they document it, and that's it. The document's sealed, and we're done, and the document's dead, basically, right away. Right. Well, and, and, and often wrong and no way to fix it. Often wrong and no way to fix it. So what I'm trying to get across to a lot of people um, is, 
you got to keep the document alive or, or the model alive, essentially. And you do that by embedding it in your code. You actually take the terminology that you glean from all these sessions in this modeling and you bring it into your code and you have that constant feedback between developer. And if it's architect, it's architect. In my, in my opinion, it's the developer's job as much as the architect to keep the model. Does it take a going. special kind of developer to, to be clued into this business? Because most developers that, well, not most developers, but you know, I'm, I'm, you're, your prototypical developer, you know, isn't very business oriented. They always have that line. Just tell me which is you want me to write. I agree, um, but I, I think you're missing the uh, okay. you missed the point a little bit. It's not what type of developer it is. It's giving the developer the skills to determine in what situation to do this and, and which situation to not. Okay, and there's a methodology that goes along with it? Uh, some of it's experience and gut feeling. A lot of it is what's the size and scale of the project that you're doing. Mm. Certainly, if you have a small small little utility that has to be built and you've got a budget that's you know $5,000, you're not going to go through all of this. Um, however, if you've got a client coming to you saying, I need this enterprise level application that needs to be built and it needs to be scalable and I need to be able to add more features down the road. And this is actually the, the bread and butter of my business. You're going to want to be damn sure that you've actually modeled it out properly that you've, you uh, now you're really talking about a lifetime app an app that's going to go through multiple revs and last for a long time. That's correct. Are you ultimately coming down to talking about how much you push that domain understanding to the level of the developer? getting below the analysts into the guys that are writing this code must dig what this business does. I, I think you have to. I think that our industry has gone through such a change where the business analysts themselves are kind of extinct in a lot of cases because business just won't pay for it. Right. So, if, if, I mean, I'll take the example of looking at a job posting. Today, they want you to know not just C-sharp or VB.net. They want you to know about insurance or they want you to know about uh, They're asking for domain and, expertise. Exactly, exactly. And frankly, my opinion is that's the wrong perspective. Because I can come into a client and say, I know nothing about your business, but like you said, give me, a, give me an hour, give me a day, yeah, give me a week. Give me the morning and I I'll get it. I have the skills to get it down. Yeah. And not only do I have the skills to get it down, but I have the skills to teach your business people how to talk my language. And that's the other thing I kind of preached in today's session right. Very cool. was, hey, listen, you not only need to know uh, their language, they need to know yours and you can't shield them from it. You kind of got to blend it all together. Very good. Well, hey, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Same here. I'd like to talk more about this. Maybe you come on the show sometime. Absolutely. That would be great. Thanks, right. guys. Thanks a lot. All right. <laughs> a little love, a little love. 45. Okay. All right. Who's, who's up? next? You're the man. Dan, come on. Come on, Dan. Come on, Dan. After that, come on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can always oh, add it. It's a tough follow. Well, Dan Curl, it's good to see you. How's it going, Carl? It's great to see you. I'm doing fine. Uh, I, we've been friends for quite a while. You've uh, actually been in the studio yep. during recordings of Mondays and .NET Rocks before up in New London. Yes. Uh, you wrote some rare, very funny uh, Ask Rory questions at one time when we were doing comedy on the show. And weren't you the one who said I seem sound taller on the radio? Yes, yes you do. Which is an interesting thing to consider, but... yes. I was expecting Herman Munster. I didn't <laughs> uh, big voice, not that big a body. So what do you do? I don't do much. Um, I'm actually the other 50%, according to Tom, up in New, uh, New England. He said that about 50% of the people are still stuck in VB6. Okay. And my office and the six or seven of us are living in VB6. We use InnerDev to maintain our old apps. These are happy places, man. Don't, don't. Don't I, don't I, dock I and hide. I, I got say. good software out there still running like that. Absolutely, software maintenance stuff. pays too. We're looking forward to um, 
moving into 2005, which is why I'm at every code camp I could drive to, and, and then some. And I have to agree with you that VB6 to 2005 seems like the best jump yeah, the, yet. Now's the time to do it. Absolutely. It's absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't agree more. From everything I've seen and read, I mean, if you have you know Google and yeah. MSDN and you read forums, you go to a couple events, mm. you're up and running. Um Yep. A lot faster than it was at 2003, because I kept up with 2003 when work didn't, and it was hard. It, it seems like this jump's going to be a lot easier. So what were the reasons for that? I mean, I'm sure there were good reasons, but what were they? Mostly knowledge, I think. I think comfort. We had so much invested in. So do you mean so that there was actually an option to, to move, and there wasn't, uh, besides comfort, there wasn't a better reason? I don't think there ever was. Our, our developer group never pushed anyone above us to say hey we need to get this new stuff yeah in the end to change versions it's got to be the developers wagging management management's right. not going to come to you and go you guys need to move to net actually we've had that we've had well i don't know what net is but it's new so we should do it and it's hmm. going to make everything better but i think that's a terrible reason to of course move. It's got to be it more definitely is, which is one of the that. reasons why we haven't there really wasn't a clear-cut need to move on now that we've lost most of the VB6 support mm. and we're really sick of internet. Let me ask you something, though. Did you guys ever call Microsoft for VB6 support? No. So what are you losing? Um, actually, I, I recognize they're not cutting VB6 support. They're right. saying you have to pay for it. Right. Well, I could say, actually, over the last four years, we've probably called five times in four years. Mm. Not in the last six months, though. So is this a big expense? Not especially, no. Yeah. I, I think it's mostly knowledge and retraining. Yeah. and I, I really think it's a psychological issue. I mean, you know, no support for VB means it's going to, all our VB6 programs are going to self-destruct. Right, and that's, something. it's, we still have machines that are running Windows 2000 without the .NET framework on them. So, I mean, it's, we're a warehouse, we're an IBM mainframe shop, there's not a whole lot of desktop development done. You know, it's all Java, it's all. I'm willing to admit I have a customer still running NT4. And, we we and, do too. And SQL Server Seven, and you know what? They're happy. Yeah, the they're happy. Works now. The machine is starting to you know lose paint. Right. But, <laughs> but it works. Hey Richard, do they at least have the option pack installed? <laughs> yes, yeah, so fully patched up. No two ways about it. Now I'm also the guy who kept a TRS-80 model run one running till about the middle '80s. I still have three of them. Yeah. I have a Model 4. Yeah, well, it got to the point where the machine now looked like R2-D2 barfed more than a computer. <laughs> so uh, what's on the horizon for you? Do you think that the uh, company is going to finally make the jump here? I think we're definitely ready. Um, like I said, 2005 seems like such an easier jump than 2003 was. 90% um, of the .NET development I've done has been out of books, following yeah. demos, you know, self-taught stuff I've learned at code camps. I am working with someone. We're doing a ASP2 website, and it's my first real exposure to ASP.NET. We've done a ton of ASP at work, and I've done a ton of VB desktop, and it just—it's so easy. You must to, be to get a site to finally be looking well, at these old apps you've been taking care of for years and saying, "Wow, I get a chance to write over again, go fresh on some of this stuff with a new set of tools." Well, I, I sat in the link talk, and um, Addy showed. L-I-N-Q, Link. Link, L-I-N-Q. Yeah, Google it. He showed um, you know, ASP.NET, C-Sharp 2, C-Sharp 3 with Link, and people were like, okay. And I'm thinking, you know, you went from 600 lines of code to 300 to 50. I'm still yeah. in VB land. Yeah. You know, we're talking... thousand lines of People code. just don't understand how big each jump is because if you're in .NET every day, you kind of forget VB6 land and 
trying to debug an interdev app with VBDLLs. And yeah. I mean, it, it's come so far and people are starting to lose track of, you know, either they're coming Just in how much better things are they're now. coming in in college learning ASP, you know, .NET, and they never were exposed to, you know, trying to figure out. You know, it's an interesting uh, issue. I had in my class people who had been web developers in ASP, and then those who just wrote Windows applications. And I showed them all ASP.NET at the same time. And the web application developers are like, this is the coolest freaking thing I've ever seen in my life. Yes. And the Windows app developers are like, so? Yeah, so what? Yep. Absolutely. So in fact, it's kind of a pain in the ass. Why do you have, what is this XML-looking <laughs> stuff here? I don't get right. that. What? That's one thing I'm just watching some of the presenters say. Some of the new things that you've shown with VB and some of the stuff we've seen with Link, people are like, okay, great. You know, they didn't yeah. get all that excited, and it's right. it's a lot better than it was because I'm one of the people that are stuck in well, what I it think was. That's one of the reasons that I chose to show the old way of yep. doing asynchronous calls instead of just showing drag, drop, there it is. Right, absolutely. Wow. You gotta, you gotta There's no appreciation the, yeah, for exactly. you know, those of us that still live in the dinosaur times. i got to ask you, you've been a fan of the show for a long time. You've been listening to Dining Rocks for a long time. Okay. How did you first, how did you first hear about this? And... Other, other, another question, probably another question you want to a- answer in, instead of that one, is have you ever learned anything on .NET Rocks that has actually saved you any kind of time or money or even marital aggravation? Myself, personally, no. Um, there's been plenty of topics that I've jotted down while I listened to and, and figured out later, but like I said, we're not using it. Yeah. So there's not a whole lot that I'm learning new that applies sure. to what I do at work every day. Sure. You know, if you do the VB6 show, maybe yeah. I'll be able to pick up... But um, I do know of dealing with consultants that have come and gone through our company that do know .NET. I have said to them, hey, have you ever seen this? Yeah. And I've opened up an eye here or there based on something I heard from one of your guests. So and it's going to be interesting for you. you know, now that you're do- going to be doing .NET more, you're going to go back through the archives and start listening to all the shows again. Well, we're sure. going right to 2005. So <laughs> hopefully hopefully we have a fresh start. But with this community, that's, that's it's the best thing going. I mean... I think we're lucky living in New England because we have an amazing group. Yeah, we do. They do, you know, they were the first code camp. They're coming, you know, they're doing the cabana nights. They're starting some online training. It's it's really great to be a developer in New England, even not using .NET. Just well, be sure you're listening to the Chris Sells Garbage Collection Show because everybody needs that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. VB 2005 or not. It's true. Well, Dan, thanks a lot for uh, you bet. stopping by and thanks. thanks for the gift, man. You bet. All right. An interjection, Kevin. Sure. Yeah, this is my third Code Camp. I started off, actually learned about Code Camp from Rod Paddock back in the beginning of the year when I went to uh, the one in Boston and then participated in the one in Philadelphia and now here in New Jersey. And I'm going to be doing, uh, in all likelihood, two others uh, between now and the end of the year. And I just want to say these are, these are fantastic experiences for all people involved. Uh, people who attend are are usually walking away with good pieces of information. And I think the uh, presenters, well, I know for a fact the presenters are learning a lot uh, in addition. So I, I think it's a great experience for all. And, and if I can say one thing to the people out there who uh, live in areas where code camps are going to be appearing in the future, uh, come out and if you can, uh, and if you're willing to, offer up our presentations and, and offer to, uh, to present. Most code camps are looking for speakers and uh, it's a great way to get involved with the community, and, and it's a tremendous experience. For sure. I mean, it's a great opportunity for, for new speakers, for people trying to get into the speaking loop. Mm-hmm. Your local community needs your help. And that includes the West Coast now. We're starting to see code camps popping up in places like Seattle and Portland. Right. Heaven forbid even Vancouver might actually get a code camp someday. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. It's yeah. not just a Northeast thing. It's starting to spread. 
Good. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you. Don Demsack, the heart and soul of the New Jersey Code Camp. How are you? Actually, I'm doing great, but I'm not the heart and soul. The heart and soul is actually Rob Jackson and Scott Watermassick for getting this going. Yeah. Woohoo! <laughs> They're the ones who actually sat down and said, you know what? We're going to pick a date and just do it and get it done as whatever way we can. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've got a hell of a community here in the New Jersey area. Yes, you do. <clears throat> and... There is no reason why Boston Code Camp should outpull New Jersey Code Camp, where we used to do 800 to 1,000 people. It's not a population thing, you know? Well, we got a lot yeah, of people here in Jersey, and we've got a lot of IT here in New Jersey. And um, to us, we just want to get the people out there to know that there is a community, that we do work together. We're not um, confrontational at all. We're all about trying to get along and, and help each other out. And by all accounts, this Code Camp was a great success. You had lots of people here. We had lots of people, and hopefully, you know, we'll have a second one, a third one, and a fourth one. And, you know, as time goes on, we'll try to do bigger and better. But the most important thing is not to have professional speakers here at Code Camp, yeah. but people who actually are out in the field every single day doing something that they think that is actually boring, but don't realize how cool stuff that they're actually doing is. Well, I, I don't mind having professional speakers in my Code Camps, but, you know, as long as there's a good balance. It, I, I you definitely that, have to have a good balance. Yeah. But I've, you definitely need to have people from the field that, because agreed. those are the people that you relate to. Uh, um, Chip Lemon was on earlier, and I convinced him to actually come on. He's a coworker of mine to actually do the presentation, and it went over so well because he's actually out there in the field doing the stuff, realizes how cool it is, and got to get the word out to the rest I mean, of the No population. substitute for real-world coders, guys with their fingernails dirty. The biggest problem, is, though, is that uh, we're geeks, and... We're not used to doing presentations in front of people. We're not used to being professional speakers. We might stutter. We might stammer. And, you know, we might not look the best. You know, might not be, you know, uh, actors and actresses. But that's not what we're supposed to be about. Scott's going, case in point. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. And, well, uh, uh, and that is, the, 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 but, but that's the people that are supposed to be out there, the people that are actually doing this stuff. I mean, if you look like an actor or an actress, nobody's going to believe that you actually code for a living. Right. I mean, you're reading from a if script. If you play guitar, for example, you know, you and sing, sing a song, well. do a little <laughs> tap dance, people just don't believe Little Ethel Merman. <laughs> little Ethel Merman. <laughs> no, I, 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 to- I just want to say that I totally agree with the fact that code camps are all about the community and bringing the community people in is what it's all about. As Richard said when we were talking before, the whole reason for this road trip is this right here, so that we could bring a whole series of shows, boom, 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 with lots of different people out in the community actually doing the work that aren't professional speakers. This is all about the listeners, not about the speakers. And it's the same way with the code camps. I agree. And it's almost like an addiction. Um, and one of the things that, that, that I've said is, you know, by doing the code camps and doing the presentations at the code camps and getting the feedback from, from the people, the, the thing that I've learned is I don't know if I really want to do a dev teach or if I want to do a VS Live or any of the other professional ones because I don't get that, that interaction with the crowd. And we have 50 people or 100 people in the session and, and they know that they're, they're expected to participate. You're not going to sit there and have them, 
I, I don't expect them to open their, their, their minds and have me dump information in. I want them to give me stuff back so that, and, and, and to confront me and say, you know what? I think you're wrong. And there are other people in the audience who probably think the same way. And you're, and you're right. In a big conference, you just don't get that kind of feel. That's the user group feel. We're all in here together. We're doing these things. And we should disagree. The debate is the value. That's where it comes from. And I'm with you. A good user group has its members as its speakers. That makes the difference. Is yeah. The regular guy who's been a member for a while, seen what's been going on, and says, I got something to say. I'm going to stand up at the front, and I'm going to talk to my friends my fellow user group members about what I think, and we're going to disagree, and we're going to bang through some ideas, and that's where the value comes from. And I correlated, I mean, there are a lot of geeks out there that are musicians, and I correlated to, do you want to you know, play in front of a stadium of 20,000 people, or do you want to play in a small club? Yep, Beatles did Shea Stadium, they said, you know what, guys, I can't even hear me bleeding guitar. <laughs> And that is the truth. When you go to a code camp, it's like playing a small club. You got the interaction of your friends hanging around. You're gonna, yeah. You feel free to be able to explore new areas that you wouldn't have done before in front of 500 or you know 700 people that you never met before. And you got your 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 coworkers wa- walking around and and confronting you. That that is the thing. Yeah, that's good. And the food isn't bad either. No, the food isn't bad. The pay's really bad. Yeah, none yeah. of us, uh, none of the presenters, and none of the people who put on code camps make any money from any of this. I mean, a lot yeah. of people look at us and think that we're actually crazy. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. What you get is, if you're lucky, some pizza and a couple of beers at the end. But you probably bought your own beer. But it's a volunteer effort. It's about a community helping itself because uh, you love it, right? And I talk. Yeah, you do it because you love it. And, and I talk to my wife is into this stuff too, and she's an all app uh, DBA, and um, she does a lot of community work with the the church and and the school. And I said, you know, what's the difference? I mean, it's your IT community. It's the it's the same people. Um, but actually, they might be a little bit, you know, closer to home. Even though they might live, might not live next door. They do what you do they might every not single wipe their day. Nose properly, but <laughs> you know, it's the same people. So, I mean, if you're going to go out and donate your time to to your local church or your local school district to do your stuff, why not to your IT? Sure, Don. Last minute words of uh, anything you want to say. My last words are, you know, support your code camps, get out there, be a presenter, especially uh, you have any aspirations uh, of uh, just showing people what you do for a living. And there's a lot of people out there that like to see what you do and you you wind up uh, affecting a lot of people that you wouldn't have expected. Excellent. Don, thank you. And thank, thank you, you all. Thank you all for sharing. <laughs> see you next time. The .NET Rocks Visual Studio 2005 Road Trip is made possible by Microsoft, without whom this whole road trip thing is a complete waste of time. And by Inner Workings, helping developers reach their full potential. Online at www.innerworkings.com. And by Telerik, providing innovative ASP.NET web controls, such as the RAD Control Suite. Online at www.telerik.com. And by Data Dynamics, makers of ActiveReports.net. Simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASP.NET web applications. 
online app, www.datadynamics.com. And by Developer Express, makers of Code Rush, Refactor, and many other first-class.net developer tools. Online app, www.devexpress.com. Support is also provided by Singular, who encourages you to check out their developer center online at developer.singular.com.